0: If you have a Bible, turn to the book of Romans, chapter number five. Church, do you remember the day when the cleansing flow of Calvary washed your sin away? Praise the Lord. Romans, chapter number five. Notice verse number 20. The Apostle Paul says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. One of the greatest verses should be in all of our lives. For when you've tasted grace, friend, there's nothing sweeter. Amen. I'm preaching to you on this subject today 13 reasons why killing the thought of suicide. I did not want to preach this message today. In fact, I'd already finished a sermon that I was going to preach, and as soon as I finished, the Spirit of the Lord said, Now go here. There's no doubt in my mind today that somebody needs to hear what God wants to tell you. I've already asked the teenagers this morning to be very attentive to what God has to say. I ask every person in the building today to pay close attention to what the Lord wants to say to you. You may be here this morning and have never had a thought of harming yourself. And we give praise to God for that. But the truth of the matter is, more than likely, maybe without even knowing, you have come in contact with someone who has had a thought of suicide. And truth be told, sooner or later, the devil will roll clouds of doubt and depression into your mind, and he will try to drive you to a place of being down and out. We will start slow today, but we will finish strong. Let's pray and ask God to help us today. Our Father, we thank you for this hour. God, we thank you for this minute. God, to where we can stand and call upon the mighty name of Jehovah. God, there is no one greater than you. And God, we are confident today that you are in our midst. God, we've sung the precious praises of the Lamb today. And God, I know you're pleased. So, God, we thank you for the privilege to be able to take part in worship, God, in spirit. Now, God, we beg of you, God, to open our eyes and allow us to worship in the truth of God's word today. God, there may be many here today I do not know. But, God, I am confident again that you have directed me to where we're preaching today. So, God, by the power of your spirit, I pray that in this moment you would take this unworthy vessel... And God, you'd use me as a vessel of honor. God, I confess my sin. I pour contempt on my pride. I want nothing to hinder you from working through me today. So God, I beg of you, God, to open our eyes. God, let us behold wonderful things from your law today. God, teach us by your grace. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. 13 Reasons Why is an American drama mystery web TV series based on a 2007 novel, 13 Reasons Why. The series revolves around a high school student, Clay Jensen, and his friend, Hannah Baker, a girl who committed suicide after suffering a series of demoralizing circumstances brought on by select individuals at her school. A box of cassette tapes... Are recorded by Hannah before her suicide, detail the 13 reasons why she ended her life. I have not read the book, do not intend to, nor have I seen the TV show, but it's my partial understanding that what the book meant for good, Hollywood and the devil have turned bad. In its original intent, it was to warn against the potential deadly effects of bullying, But across our country, it's been said to have glamorized teen suicide. The personnel of one out-of-state school district just recently reported that they had observed an increase in youth-at-risk behavior at the elementary and middle school levels to include self-mutilation, threats of suicide, and multiple other incidents." Students involved when questioned articulated association of their behavior to the show 13 Reasons Why. So if you are or you have let your children watch this program, I strongly suggest you stop and do damage control. You say, well, my child's not at risk for that type of behavior. Well, I pray they're not. But the truth of the matter is, you cannot see in their mind, you do not know what they're dealing with. And they may not be at risk, but their behavior may be putting others at risk. Now, the first time I ever preached this text on the topic of suicide, I was provoked by the Spirit of God to do so after a young man took his life at Lebanon High School. Just this year, earlier this year. Some statistics concerning suicide. This is not just a message on suicide, by the way. It's it's a message about the amazing grace of God. 44,000 estimated deaths each year at the hands of suicide. Suicide has been determined to be the 10th leading cause of death in America, and it is the second leading cause of death for 15 to 24-year-olds it is estimated that suicide cost America $51 billion annually. While those numbers are certainly staggering, there's another number that looms in the distance. The number of emergency room visits for self-inflicted injuries in 2011, 836,000. I'd say we have an astronomical problem in America understanding the value of life before God. Amen. In fact, when you survey our abortion rate, since it was originally first in place, put in place, listen, over 50 million babies aborted. Friend, I want you to understand something. Every person under the sound of my voice needs to hear what I'm about to say. The Lord Jesus Himself said, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul. In that one verse the Lord of glory tells us how he himself views the life of one individual. He loves you. You are worth more than the world itself, you alone. And the most common question anyone will ask when a person commits suicide is this, where do they go when they die? You've probably heard that question. Many people will assume a person who commits suicide automatically goes to hell. I personally do not believe that. I believe that we who are saved are saved by grace through faith. It's not of ourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Regardless of how we leave this world, we are still saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. First John 5, 11 says this, And this is the record that God hath given to us, eternal life. And this life is in His Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things I have written unto you, that you may believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. I agree that is one most important question, where does an individual go when they die? But the truth of the matter is, when an individual chooses to take his life, the choices are over for him or her. That, that choice to take your own life is one choice that you'll never get to do over. You do understand that this morning. There's no second chances when death is done. And once you choose to step out into eternity, you will stand face to face with God Almighty. So perhaps the greatest question we can ask on this subject this morning is not where an individual goes when they commit suicide. We've already settled that. If they're saved, they go to heaven. If they're lost, they go to hell. But rather the most important question we could ask is what is it that causes an individual to contemplate and even to complete the act of suicide? I realize that many folks will sometimes remark about killing themselves nonchalantly, jokingly. But friend, let me say to you today, that's no joking matter. It's not something to joke about. And friend, if you hear of someone making suggestions or comments of that nature, you need to take the appropriate precaution. But if there's an individual here this morning who's had those thoughts or along those lines, maybe you've not even voiced them. I beg you today to hear what God has to say to you. So just what is it that moves an individual, a person to a place uh, to act in a harmful way against him or herself? Is it simply an individual? Is it multiple individuals? Is it a person, multiple people, one thought or multiple thoughts? Yes, it's all of the above. But hear me well this morning. Every thought any person could ever have to take their own life is straight out of the pit of hell. It is influenced by the person of the devil. Jesus said in John 10, The thief comes but to steal kill and destroy. But I have come that ye might have life and life more abundant. There is no question as to where that thought comes from. The dirty devil, by way of one deceptive thought, will move into an individual's mind and build a stronghold without a moment's notice. That one thought, it it may come in a variety of forms, but it looks like this. They'll, They'll begin to think, it cannot get any better for me. It cannot, uh, I cannot move beyond this place. My mistakes are too many. My life is over. I'll never outlive the consequences. I cannot get through this. I would be better off dead. That's the thought. That's the thought. Church, listen to me this morning. I'm not just talking to the lost man today. I'm talking to every man. It is God who gives life. Let God be the one who takes life. There is a time to live and there is a time to die, but you nor the dirty devil get to choose when that time is. God knew you in the womb. He made you in His own image. He created you. has a very special plan and purpose for your life, friend. Let God be God and live for His glory. God is for you and wants to work for you. On your behalf, don't buy into the devil's lies. Amen. Second Corinthians 10.3 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war against the flesh. Friend, I, I told you several weeks back that the church today, we have forgotten that the just shall live by faith. So many times we live by our feelings. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, Paul says, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. The Apostle Paul, under the influence of the Holy Spirit of God, God said through him that we have mighty weapons and they are able to pull down strongholds and we can fight the battle in the Lord. Don't listen to that lie thinking it will never get any better than this. Jeremiah 32, 27, God said through the prophet, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? You say the devil's built up a stone wall in my heart and I can't Break through that same prophet. God said through him, uh, Is my word not like a hammer that breaketh the rocks into pieces? Friend, I don't care what kind of stone walls built in your heart. The Lord has a hammer and he can break through it today. You say, there's just too much junk in my life, friend. Hebrews 12, 29 says, For our God is a consuming fire. Let him move in and burn out the trash. God can burn it out. In the words of Dr. Tommy Steele, God has more grace than this world has sin, And so at the cross, we know the Lord Jesus bore the weight. He took our place. He paid the price so that we might have life. He died for the sins of the world, past, present, and future. When we look at Calvary, friend, we could spread the world's sin out one beside another and God's grace would still stretch farther. We could dig ourselves a hole and pour all our junk into the depths of the earth, but God's grace would still go deeper. You could stack the world's sin up on top of one another until it reached into the heavens, but God's grace would still be taller. You say, Brother Shane, I just can't see it. Friend, the cross shows us how far. The grave shows us how deep. The resurrection shows us how wide, and the ascension shows us how high. The grace of Almighty God. So as we look back in our text this morning I want you to notice that the apostle is drawing us to a conclusion Romans 5:20 the first word he says moreover He seems to be drawing us to a conclusion. He is speaking to people who live in a pagan, idolatrous society. Immorality is rampant. Idolatry is prevalent. Speaking out against those things is considered not acceptable. But Paul says, moreover. He's already addressed the issues of sin prior He's talked about how in Adam, sin entered the world. And because Adam sinned, we all have sin. Because through one man sin entered, now sin reigns in our mortal bodies. He's telling us that we have a sin problem. Amen. But then the Son showed up. Hallelujah. And the Savior rescued us. He's drawing us to a conclu- conclusion. So secondly, notice, not only is He drawing us to a conclusion, notice secondly, the degree... Of man's sin. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, Paul says. Now, when you see the word offense, for the sake of interpretation, just go ahead and in your mind uh, write the act of sin. We're not adding to or taking away from the Word of God, that's not what we're doing. I want you to see what the Word is teaching us this morning. Moreover, the law entered that the act of sin might abound. That's what he's communicating. Now, the natural man in me says that ju- that's just not accurate. The natural man. I read that and I say, well, it would make more sense to say the offense entered that the law might abound. I just can't... The natural man just doesn't see that for me. But as I begin to look through spiritual eyes, I realize what's being said here. Remember, we are coming to a conclusion. Paul is drawing everything up here. He is coming to a conclusion... And he says, moreover, the law entered. When did it enter? When did it enter? At Sinai, in the Exodus. That's when God gave Moses the law. Moses was there on the mountain in the wilderness with the Lord, and God gave him the law as the children of Israel were coming out of Egyptian bondage. But we need to answer another question. Not only when did the law enter, when did the offense enter? When did sin enter, the act of sin? Long before the law did, back in the garden. And so what's this. Paul is moving us to a conclusion. Sin was in the world, but the knowledge of sin was not in the world until it was made known through the law of God. When God sent forth His holy standard, it turned the light on in the dark places of man's heart, and now the depth of man's depravity is visibly undeniable. It's what Paul is teaching us here. He said, Brother Shane, I don't like coming to church and always hearing about how bad I am. Dude, do you understand how bad you are? Do you know how exceedingly sinful you are? Not just in act, but in the very thought. Deep down in your mind. Friend, what we need to understand today is that the law is our schoolmaster, our tutor. It's showing us how bad we really are. Galatians 3.24 says, Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. Do you know why you need to know how bad you are? So you can be saved. That's why. When you stand yourself up to the holy character of God, friend, I want you to understand. You'll find yourself wanting every time. Listen to this great synopsis of sinful man in Romans 3, starting in verse number 10. The same apostle, he says, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Sir, ma'am, this morning, whether you like it or not, you are guilty before God. We all are and the degree of our guilt is undeniable and even unfathomable. You cannot understand how sinful you are Amen. no matter how bad you think you are multiply it by millions more Amen. friend we're sinners we're sinners as we see here Paul says that sin abounds sin abounds do you know the word abound what it means It means to be abundant. It means to increase, to have over. In many people's lives today, maybe even yours, sin increases every minute. Uh, It is an abundance, it is in abundance, and it breeds like locusts devouring everything in your life. Friends, some of you know individuals who once were full of beauty and life, but you've watched sin devour them. It's a heartbreaking, gut-wrenching sin. And it takes them into the depths. Friends, sin will destroy you. Paul is telling us that when sin comes into your life, it has authority over you. Amen. It abounds. It is ruling over your life with authority. Now, listen to me. Some of you may have made some mistakes, decisions in your life already that you think you cannot get past. Even if, listen to me, even if sin is ruling over in your life today, it is abounding minute by minute and and it is destroying everything that you are. Sin may be abounding today, but thank God grace can overcome. Friend, don't listen to that lie. It says you can't outlive your past. Listen to these words. Sin abounds. Now listen. The delivering power of grace. But grace. Just that enough. But grace. But grace aboundeth much more. Amen. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Do you understand today that no matter how big a mess you're in, God is able to clean you up? Come, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Come and confess your sin. And He is faithful and just to forgive your sin and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Friend, no matter how many times the believer falls down, God will be there to pick you up if you'll come humbly before Him. The scripture says, Proverbs 24, 16, for a just man falleth seven times, he shall rise again. He won't do it on his own strength. Friend, thank God the one who stands or sits at the right hand of God will come alongside you and he'll pick you up. Jude one twenty four says that Christ is the one who is able. Friend, He's able, able to save unto the uttermost. He is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. I like the idea that one day I'm going to stand before God and I'm going to be there and I'm going to be faultless. Amen. Why? Not because of my works of righteousness. Simply and solely by the grace of His Son. Hallelujah. Now let's look at it again. Where sin does abound, grace doth much more abound. The words sin abounds, we've already looked at that, but notice the phrase, speaking of grace, doth much more abound. In the Greek, this word means to superabound. It means to go over more. Uh, So if sin is this high, grace is higher. If sin is this strong, grace is stronger. If sin is this long, grace is longer. That's what God is telling us. Do you see it? God's grace turned the light switch on in the dark thoughts of your mind. Can you grasp it? Uh, It'll never get any better than this. God says it can. My mistakes are too many. Grace says they're not. I'll never outlive the physical consequences of my sin. That may be true. But in a moment, a single second of saving faith, the eternal consequences of your sin forever removed. That's grace. So I just want you to remember, if there ever comes a time when you find yourself backslidden in sin, friend, listen to me. And your adversary, who is the devil, is walking about like a roaring lion in your mind, devouring you. Friend, if you ever have that thought, you always remember where sin abounds. Grace doth much more abound. I'm telling you today, is grace is greater than all my sin. We sang about it this morning. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that can cover and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater than all my sin. Now the title of this sermon is 13 Reasons Why. Killing the Thought of Suicide. And so I'm fixing to give you 13 reasons why you don't have to let the devil destroy your life with his lies. Do you want those this morning? I'm going to do it at a rapid rate whether you want it or not, so I suggest you just feast on it, all right? <laughs> feast on it. First notice in Romans chapter 5, verse number 1. The believer, those who have tasted grace, are justified. Amen. Notice what Paul says. Therefore, having been justified by faith... Oh, when you were a kid, you learned that little ditty, justified, just as if I'd never sinned. Thank God when an individual comes to faith, comes to to Jesus by faith through grace, friend, we are just, it's just as if we've never sinned. We can claim the 23rd Psalm, He restoreth my soul, and my cup runneth over. I've been justified. Secondly, notice there in Romans 5.1, the believer has peace with God. Therefore, having been justified, just as if I'd never sinned, I now have peace with God. Uh, In contrast, I want you to think about this for just a moment. In contrast, the lost man by nature is at war with God. In fact, that is what Romans 5.10 is telling us. Before Christ, we are enemies of God. But I want you to hear me plainly. Even the saved can experience a lack of peace. Yeah. Yes, sir. When you start running off, living in the lust of the flesh, young people, you better hear me today. Right. When you start living in sin, you'll begin to wonder within, yeah. do I even belong to Him? Come on. Amen. Why? Because the devil will take those lies and begin to drive them home into your heart. You'll not have peace when you don't walk with the Prince of Peace. Amen. Thirdly, notice in Romans 5, 2, the believer has access to the Father through the Son. Isn't that incredible? The sinner has no access to the Father, but we have access. Notice, what through whom also we have access by faith into this grace. Now understand what I just said. I did not say that the sinner couldn't come to be saved. But as a child of God you are a child of the Father. You have access to your heavenly daddy. He's my daddy. and I can run to him. In those moments of weakness and fear The scripture tells me that I can boldly approach the throne of grace to find help in my time of need. Hallelujah. I can run to my Father. The sinner, the lost man, does not have what we have as believers. But lost man, you hear me today, you can have all of what every one of us have. It is available today if you'll turn to Christ accepting the will of God for your life. If you'll believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. And you will have eternity in heaven. Still in Romans 5, 2, I want you to see that the believer can stand yes. through grace. Do you know what you need to be able to stand? Stability. You've got to have a place to stand. Friend, you can't stand where the ground is not stable. Amen. You'll begin to sink. But thank God, Jesus said, I'm the rock. Build your house on the rock. And friend, you'll be able to stand. Then in Romans 5, 2, and 11, we see that those who feast upon grace can rejoice. I want to say something to you, Christian. If you walk around with a sad, sour look on your face all the time, I'm going to be just as honest and real as I can be with you. If there's nothing in your life to rejoice about, hear what I'm going to say to you, and I'm saying it in love. You're backslidden. You're not in love with Jesus. Because if you're in love with Jesus, you'll realize that His mercy is renewed day by day. The grace of God is sufficient in all your troubles. Friend, I know some of you are in difficult circumstances. But hear me today. The devil wants nothing more than to steal your joy. And influence you to become a bad testimony in your last days. Don't do that. Don't listen to his lies. Feast upon grace, where sin abounds, grace abounded much more. You say, is it wrong to have a bad attitude? Yes, it is. Does that mean that we don't ever have them? No, we have them. We do. But how do we deal with those attitudes with the Word of God? The Scripture says, do all things without grumbling or complaining. Jesus Himself said, we're going to give an account of every idle word that we speak. Friend, I'm going to have to give an account for every time I've complained. You say, Brother Shane, I thought our sins were forgiven. They are but Jesus still said we're going to have to give an account. I don't understand how it's all going to work, but I believe the Word of God, and if I'm going to believe it, I've got to believe it all. Those things ought to influence us. Do you remember Paul said there is no fear of God? They have no fear of God. Church, can I say to you today that if you'll evaluate the way you speak one to another and amongst yourselves, friend, listen, you will find out quickly how much fear of God you have. I know you don't like it. To be quite honest, I don't even like the idea of it either. But that's the truth of the matter. Notice, we can stand in grace. We can rejoice in grace. Still in verse number 2, Romans 5, 2, number 6 right here. We can rejoice because we as believers have hope. Hope. Ephesians two twelve says the lost man has no hope. No hope. While in Honduras, the men that were with us, we quickly realized in the remote areas where we were serving at, some of those individuals have no hope. Especially the lost man. What would you do today if you got up every morning Dirt floor, mud hut, Walk out your front door, chickens, cows, horses, whatever, running around right there in the midst of your front door. You drank the same water they drank. As far as you could see, nothing but jungle, forest, no access, no transportation, roads terrible. If you want to go to town, you ride a donkey, get on a dirt bike, that's it. I can understand how they'd have no hope, thinking they'll never get out of that place, they'll never be amount to nothing in life. But friend, do you know who the one inspires that thought is the same one who inspires the thoughts we're talking about today? The devil. The devil. Friend, can I say to you today, if you have nothing in this world but you have Jesus, you have everything. You have hope. Number 7, Romans 5, 3. Notice the believer can glory in the midst of trouble. Paul says, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulation knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Number 8, in verses 3 and 4 right there, just based upon what I just said, you can realize that grace is doing something productive in your life. God is going to do something with you. Sin only does that which is destructive. But God will do something wonderful with you. Notice number nine. Romans 5.5 There is no further disappointment for the believer. Hope does not disappoint. Now let me ask you this morning, how many of you have been disappointed? Raise your hand. We've all been disappointed, have we not? We think something should have went, went this way, and it went that way. We think we should have done this, and actually we've done that. We didn't even mean to do that, but that's what we've done. Now we're disappointed in ourselves. But concerning the person of Christ, you listen to what I'm going to say. Romans 10, 11, the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. There'll never be a day when you're disappointed in the fact that you believed on Jesus Christ. When you understand all of what's being stated in Romans five alone, again in Romans five five, I want you to notice number ten: the very love of God has been poured out into our hearts. Church, God is love. That's what the Bible says. In 1 Corinthians 13, the Apostle Paul closes chapter 12. It's nestled in between the two chapters pertaining to spiritual gifts. And as chapter 12 ends, Paul says, I'll show you a more excellent way love. 1 Corinthians 13, one through 3 tells us we can be the most gifted individual on the face of the planet. And if we do not have love, that word love is agape, sacrificial servant love, suggesting benevolent acts, acts of kindness. If we do not have that kind of love living in our heart, we are nothing. Now based upon that definition of what I just gave you, how you fare today? What's, what, when's the last time you've done something kind for somebody? I deal with this on a, a regular basis concerning teenagers. Most time, they just want service. But let's be honest today. Isn't that a truth we all struggle with? Now, church, if we're going to be great in the eyes of God, we're going to have to serve. Why? Because it is the love of God that is shed abroad in our heart. Do you have that picture in your mind when you get up of a the morning, the, the darkness of night still covering, and you step out onto your front porch, the sky has no clouds whatsoever, and the sun begins to rise? In that same way, the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart. The bursting forth of the sun, the Son of God, into your heart. Number 11, Romans 5.5 5 says that the Spirit of God, the believer has been given the Spirit of God. Now anybody gave you a gift close to that lately? No. God has given you of His own Spirit, the Spirit of God, to dwell in your heart, live in your midst, and lead you in the ways of righteousness. What a gift. Number 12. Look at Romans 5.8. If this were a truth alone, The only one we had. Christ died for me. Christ died for you. Church, has there ever been a time when you truly personalized that? That Jesus Christ died for you. For you. He died for me. Lost man, he died for you. Does that not stir your heart? To think that someone who was perfectly sinless died in a sinner's place? Christ died for me. Look at the benefit in verse number 9. Here's number 13. Number 13. 13 reasons why. Right here. Verse number 9. Much more than having now been justified by His blood... We shall be saved from wrath. Church, aren't you excited about the fact that you don't have to endure the wrath of God? We could not begin to describe the power of Almighty God and the wrath that will be poured out upon this earth in the tribulation period. But friend, do you understand? Lost man, hear what I'm going to say. You will experience forever in the place called hell the wrath of God upon your sin. It was already paid for. Jesus paid it all. But you will spend the rest of forever paying for your sin because you would not put it under the blood. And you will never Ever, ever get your debt paid. Hell is forever. That's 13 reasons. But I got a few more. Number 14, in verse number 10, I am reconciled to God. In verse number 19, I am made righteous. In verse number 21, I have eternal Life. Sin abounded on the earth, but when heaven met the earth in the person of Jesus Christ, grace won and now we who believe win too. We win. Romans 5, 21 So that as sin reigned in death even so oh listen, even so grace, you know what he's saying? Sin reigns, but grace is better. Grace is stronger. Even so, grace might reign through righteousness, to eternal life, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. For in the next time the devil comes knocking, you just tell him you ain't listening. Say unto him the same word that Jesus said unto Peter, "Get thee behind me, Satan." You know that song, Amazing Grace? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. In a single second, lost man, you can pass from death unto life. Christian today, if you are contemplating thoughts of harming yourself, whether you be a Christian or not, hear me, Jesus is the only answer. But do not, do not, do not listen to the lie of the enemy. The thief come but to steal, kill, and destroy. And he will do it by whatever means necessary.